We're going to be uh, talking today. Uh, uh, I spent the last couple of weeks down in Oswego helping out Dick Beaumont and his church, New Covenant Community Church down there. Um, a couple of interesting questions came up as I got back. No, I was not interviewing for a job. No, we're not planning on going anywhere. Everything's fine. All is good. I'm, I'm here until God moves me. Just, just to make that perfectly clear because it has come up. Um, but while I was down there, it was interesting being able to meet with people. I, I speak there once or twice a year. Um, it's a, it's just an, it's a, it's a great little church. Um, they've been going through some difficult times They're trying to give them some encouragement. And, uh, it's interesting to get a different perspective when you get out of the rural North country, you know, into, uh, into a different area, more of a college town. You get into some interesting conversations. But one of the things that I noticed while I was there was a commonality, um, that they share, I think with all Christians, and that is the toll that COVID has taken on the church over the last couple of years. And uh, one of the tolls that it's taken is not so much in Christians not being Christians. Um, one of the tolls that it's taken is in this area of community. And today I want to talk about the difference between community, which is what God wants for us, and uniformity, which is what the secular world keeps trying to push on us. And there's a distinct difference between the two. And there's a reason why the secular world is pushing to uniformity. And there's a reason why, as Christians, we should push back onto community. Especially, uh, unless you've been asleep for the last couple of years, you can see socially things are kind of heating up again. Um, As we're getting into the winter, um, you see protests around the world. You see crazy things going on. I I read, uh, I was listening to a story that I, I actually didn't even believe until I had seen the actual video news broadcast of, uh, I don't know if some of you know this, there's a manhunt going on in Australia for people who escaped a quarantine facility. Let's just call it what it is. It's a jail. Uh, you know, and it's amazing that this is happening in our world today. You know, and in different parts of Europe now, if you're not vaccinated, you can't go anywhere other than your own home. It's amazing to see it. And all of these are squeezing and squeezing. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care what your status is or what you believe or anything like that. That's not, I'm not worried about that. I'm talking about what's happening and how, it's, how it is affecting us and how it affects people. And the squeeze is to uniformity and compliance. But that's not what God wants for his people. God is not looking for uniformity. God is looking for community. And community is a very different thing. So... How many of you get mad when uh, you, you've, you've used the same product over and over and over again for years, and then the manufacturer changes it? They change the packaging. They change the, the recipe. How many of you have taken a drink of your favorite soda, and you're like, what happened? I will never have a Coke again in my life. Because you've used it so many times. And you're so familiar with it that any change becomes ridiculously obvious. Now, when I go out as a guitar player, when I go out to buy guitar strings, um, I buy pretty much the same strings from the same company that I have bought for over 25 years now playing guitar. So I expect when I get those strings, they are the same. They're the same thickness. They're the same strength. They're the same tone. And when there's not, I know it. I got a set of strings once that it was actually the wrong gauge. It was, it was marked. And when I got it, the guy was like, you can't tell. I'm like, you want a bet? <laughs> Hand it to another guitar player and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, told this is, the, yeah, this is completely the wrong gauge. But you know 
What's, what, what's going on? That's uniformity. And in some cases, uniformity is good and it should be expected. There are certain things that should just be uniform. And then there's other things that shouldn't. So what happens if we take the principle of uniformity and we apply, apply it to things like faith or relationships, friendships, marriages, friends? What happens if you apply that principle of uniformity to that? Is it a good and fair thing or is it just a catastrophe waiting to happen? Uh, personally, I think it's a catastrophe waiting to happen. See, all relationships, any and all relationships have the same fundamental flaw. And that same fundamental flaw is that they involve people. Have you ever noticed that people people make everything hard? People just make things more difficult than they need to be um, because they're people, and that's the way it works. <laughs> Did I touch a sensitive subject over there? It's just like... I don't feel safe. My personal safe space alarm is going off. Um, sorry, I couldn't help myself. Uh, anyway, moving right along. When you're dealing with people, people are different. People are not all the same. We're not all cookie cutters, right? We're different. Some of us are tall. Some of us are not tall. You know, some of us are thin. Some of us are not thin. Um, you know, some people have hair. Other people have perfectly shaped heads. You know, it's just the way it works. <laughs> we are all different. And some of the differences are small and some of the differences are massive. But all of the differences are important and necessary. Because they help us. There are people, groups, and cultures around the world that we simply cannot relate to because they are just so radically different. If you've never been outside the continent of the United States, you've never been to a distinctly different culture. You are so missing out. As a military kid, I got to see all kinds of different things. You can find, you can go see cultures that you think are actually close to a westernized American culture and you realize, nope, not, not quite. Some of their customs the same, are the same. Other ones are so radically different. It's, it's almost hysterical how dumb we look. When we think we've got their life figured out. When I was with uh, Pastor Dick Beaumont, when I first met him, we spent two weeks in Africa. And, uh, you know, we were with African Christian churches. And for the first couple of meetings, I just stared. Huh? Uh, you're, you're watching things and experiencing things. I imagine in Haiti it was the same thing for you guys. You see these things. And part of it makes you think, I really love the fact that we have power and technology and running water and instruments and things that are like refined and, and nice. And then you feel like dirt because you're watching someone, you're watching a church worship with more joy than you've ever seen in a church service. And their drummer is playing off of two buckets, a saw blade and a garbage can lid. Been there, Right. And you just can't understand, like, it, it's so wild, but it's so needed. It's so necessary to see those things. Because if we were all the same, can you imagine how boring life would get? You know, I guess it would be okay if we were all the same and we were all fun, <laughs> right? But that's just not the case. But now think about this. 
We're not only different from each other culturally, we can be different from ourselves from morning to afternoon, can't we? Emotionally and socially different. You can be one person during the day, another person at night. Am I talking to happy you or angry you? Right? Are you hangry or just, I mean, what's going on? How, how are things, how are things working out? But here's something that we expect. We expect that the people in our lives recognize and embrace the differences in us. We expect, because they're close to us, we expect that they understand who we are and, they're, and they, they still value us even though we can be different from one, one day to the next. But now the question is, do we offer them that same courtesy and embrace their radical differences the same way we expect them to embrace ours. Sometimes we do. Oftentimes we don't. Let me give you an example. Say you have a couple of friends and you're sharing with them about something that's on your mind or something you want to do. And one of your friends has the exact same opinion you do. Man, you are so right. Oh, man. And you're like, that's why we're friends. That's why we're friends because you agree with me. But then... (laughs) You have that other friend, well, that person who used to be a friend until a second ago, who not only has a different opinion than you, but is completely on the other spectrum of the conversation. So naturally, you're praying that the demon leaves them and that they become restored back to a sane person who agrees with you, right? So let me ask you this. In that situation, which person do we naturally prefer? We prefer the one who agrees with us because we naturally lean towards social uniformity when it comes to us, when it comes to our feelings, our views, our likes, our dislikes. We naturally lean to social uniformity. But which ones are your friends? The one who agreed with you or the one that didn't? I would actually say that the one who didn't is probably a better friend. I mean, I'm just, just spitballing here, but because they're willing to risk the relationship for honesty. Apart from the other person who's like, well, you know, I don't 100% agree with you, but you're a jerk, so I'm just going to say yes. <laughs> Anyone ever been there? Anyone sitting next to that person right now? I'm just, just, just curious. Just keep it to yourself. You know, it's between you and God. Just being serious. Anyway, so when you think about this, uniformity... Uni meaning one, formity meaning form, style, or method. So the basic idea is there is only one right way to do something. Only one. Now we see this ideology being pushed today in all areas of life and education, especially public school system. They are driving kids towards social uniformity. The idea is that you have to comply with the masses, and if you don't, you'll be pushed out or canceled. Your voice will simply be dismissed. That's a drive away from community and towards social uniformity. Now, community means common unity, a common unity. We naturally tend to think about the place we live when we think of a community. We live in the community of Copenhagen, right? Well, some of you do, some of you don't. But the idea, the idea is basically the same. We're kind of in the same area. We're in the same ballpark. We're in the same, in the same region, but we're not identical, 
right? We don't have the same houses. We don't have exactly the same cars. We don't shop at the same stores. We don't paint our houses the same color. We don't do any of that. When you're in a situation where you have a few people that decide, this is how you should live. This is what your house should look like. This is how tall your lawn can be. This is the color you're allowed to paint. These are the things you're allowed to do. When you're in that situation, that's called an HOA. (laughs) No one wants to do that. The only people who enjoy an HOA are the people who are making the decisions. And nobody else in that situation likes them. No, we're all in the same basic area, but we don't necessarily agree on every detail of life. That's a community. We have common, a commun, a common unity around where we live and roughly how we live. I mean, you get, you get an idea when you're in a community of houses around you. There's a basic understanding of when you stop making noise at night. Right? There's a basic understanding about general areas of life. Mow your lawn. Don't let your house get, your yard get filled with garbage. There's a general common unity. Right? Our faith is kind of the same way. We have to be around people who don't necessarily do things the same way we do. So that we have a chance to grow and they have a chance to grow. Because here's the thing. When you're in a situation where there is no resistance, no resistance, no one actually reaches their full potential. Not even the people making the decisions. Even the people who are deciding this is how we're going to do it and this is the only way this is going to happen. In that situation, when there is no resistance, there's no improvement, there is no gain, not even with the people who are making those decisions because there's no resistance. Development of any kind, improvement of any kind requires resistance. It requires resistance. Could you imagine going to the gym and working out with no resistance? Been there 15 times. They have a pizza bar. I love it. I don't, I didn't lose a pound fact i got diabetes no we look for resistance and we even look for intentional resistance because it forces us to do things we don't want to do right so you think about this there are some people in this world who for fun for fun i don't understand these people for fun they jump on a bicycle on hot days of the year And ride down black roads that are hot for like, oh, we only rode 25 miles. No. (laughs) No, they do this on purpose. Because they're in shape. I, on the other hand, am a shape. Not necessarily a desirable shape, but I'm a shape. (laughs) If you go to the gym, when you lift weights, the resistance is the amount that you're lifting. And the idea is to increase the resistance because it increases your ability to handle it. When you're dieting, the resistance is your willpower. See, when you're dieting, you're not just trying to eat less. You're trying to train your body to resist. You're also training your willpower. It makes you a better person. It puts you in more, uh, it puts you in a place of more control. 
When you're studying, you don't study something that you know like the back of your hand. You study to gain in knowledge, which means the resistance is your current level of comprehension. So if you want to grow, you have to push against your current level of comprehension to increase it, right? How about this? If you're just trying to be a better person, the resistance is the people that don't agree with you. You put yourself in situations where you know people are going to disagree with you so that you learn how to handle that. But a lot of times what we do is, I'm out. Because we don't like the resistance. We like, this is the, this is the, the battle. We like and we crave social uniformity. We want people to just get along. <laughs> Let me tell you something. We don't all get along. You're just like, why can't we all just get along? Because we can't. <laughs> Some people like anchovies on pizzas. I can't relate to those people. They need to get saved. <laughs> Some of you are like, but I like anchovies. It's okay. We can, we'll have a deliverance meeting. It'll be fine. <laughs> but then again, I like ham and pineapple pizzas. And there's people who think that I'm demon possessed. <laughs> you can't put ham and pineapple on a pizza. That's not a pizza. What's the matter with you? Because I like it. See, we're different. This is the way it goes. The difference has to be there. What we are seeing in our world today is the systematic, intentional removal of resistance. The systematic, intentional removal of resistance. This is the dismantling of community, and this is intentional. You'll actually see some organizations talk about dismantling the nuclear family. Because that's the core of community. The family is, the cent- is really the center of it all, folks. It's not the church. It's the family. We'll get into that next year because that's one of the topics you guys asked me, to, asked me to preach on next year. By the way, if you remember, you guys get to pick the topics I preach on next year. So if you haven't tossed one in, please send one up. I've got about seven or eight so far. I need 40. That would be great. <laughs> You got some time. So they're pushing towards this uniformity. Now, I'm not talking about just the nonsense that our government is pushing. There's more to it than just that. If you, have, if you haven't noticed that, you're just simply not paying attention. I'm talking about a mental shift away from personal independence. Because personal independence of thought and action is the core of community. Without personal independence in thought and action, you don't have community. You have uniformity. And we're being pushed towards this social consensus. Now, independence is the greatest threat to social uniformity. Independent thought and action makes people think that there may be more than one way of doing things. How dare they? How dare they come up with a different way of doing things? See, you're not supposed to think for yourself because your opinions may be tainted by your family values. You may have an idea passed down to you from your dad, and that may not be approved by the smarter people. So you need to check your opinion and just believe what you're told. And heaven forbid your opinions might be swayed by your religious beliefs. When it comes to morality and family and marriage, discipline, sexuality... You may be swayed by this 
antiquated historical document called the Bible. Can't have that because that's got standards in it. It's got a truth that's timeless. And the last thing that social uniformity wants is a timeless truth. We want a truth that works for today and we can change it tomorrow. See, today we should be smart enough to let other people think for us. We don't want to get hung up on things like truth. Because we all know that just because something was true yesterday does not mean it's going to be true tomorrow. Not in the world that we live in. We just need to wait for the smarter people to tell us what the truth is for for today. This is social uniformity. And uniformity drives out the individual in favor of the whole. It drives out the individual in favor of the whole. But my Bible says that God leaves the 99 to look for the one. He doesn't just leave the, the one to die so he can protect the 99. He leaves the 99 to, save, to, to go for the one. You see how completely opposite that is? Uniformity is not the way of the cross. It is not the way of Christ. And we see this being pushed not only, not only in society, but in churches all around the world. Large denominations are moving towards this like there's no tomorrow. But the thing we need to know is that God is not looking for uniformity. He wants a vibrant, thriving community, which is way harder. It is so much harder to have a vibrant community because a vibrant community means that there are different people with different views all in the same place that still get along, at least to the best of their abilities. Let me throw you a couple of scriptures. I got two scriptures I want to show to you. And I'm going to pray for you. Uh, today's not going to be a long meeting because I know we have other things we need to do and I don't want to keep you here all day. But I think this is important for what we're doing. <coughs> Hebrews 10, 23 through 25 reads like this. It says, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to, listen to this, stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I want to start off by saying this. Over the last couple of years, we've had a very difficult time gathering. I get it. We all need to just understand that. There's no blame. There's no accusation. There's nothing there. But I need to say some difficult things as we're looking at this. Because the need to, to have a vibrant online resource and people being home when they're sick. If you're sick, please stay home. <laughs> it's, you know, we don't need to have, you know, we don't all need to get sick at once. No, no chicken pot parties here at the church, right? <laughs> Unless we really want, never mind, never mind. We won't go there. This is going to be a norm for us for a while. That it is something we have to live with for now is okay. But that's not the issue. The issue is when we're talking about gathering, it does not mean online. Can we all agree with that? The gathering of the brethren. You cannot gather with people online because you're still home alone. You're still in your own mind. You cannot have a community without gathering. Some of us have to be home for health purposes. But that should never be the acceptable norm 
for a believer. Never. It should never be the acceptable norm for a believer. Here's something I want to say. If you've gotten, if you're watching online, I'm, like I said, I'm not coming after anyone, but I need to say some things. Because I see where our society is going and I see some problems if we don't course correct a little bit coming down the road. If you have gotten used to attending church from home for its convenience, you are making a mistake. If church from home is simply a matter of convenience, because I don't have to be here Sunday morning. I can do it Sunday night, Monday morning, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday night, just in case I need to know something for the next day. If that is your mindset, you are not only robbing yourself, you're robbing God of you. Because Christianity is not a convenient faith. It is supposed to be inconvenient. That's half the point. We're supposed to sacrifice for our faith. Not make God wait until I have time. We make time for God, not the other way around. A faith of convenience is a faith that will never grow. In fact, it will probably fall back into old habits and complacency. And I have seen this. If you're home for convenience, you're home for the wrong reasons. If you're home because you have to be, then you're making the right choice. Just don't make it a convenient choice because that's going to get really easy. Making the convenience choice once is going to make it a lot easier to make it the next time and the next time and the next time. And before you know it, you come back to church and you don't know anybody. I've had these conversations, folks, and it's sad. It's very difficult. We can only stir one up to love and good works by being together. And the truth is, this is going to become more and more apparent in the days and the years ahead as we start seeing very difficult things happening in our society. As much as I'm in favor of being careful over being careless, I think I've shown that over the last couple of years, I think it's a great tragedy that around the world, in multiple churches, a lot of pastors that I've talked to, a lot of people that I know, COVID is no longer the reason for being home. It's an excuse. It's simply an excuse to be lazy. And then we wonder why God isn't moving in our life. God isn't moving in our life because we're not moving. We found a comfortable place to sit. And God will let you stay there. But that's not the life of a believer. We have to gather, and gathering is intentional. You never gather by mistake. Romans 12, 3 through 16. Now, this is a longer section of scripture, but please listen to this. This is important. For I say, though the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, than he ought to think, but to think soberly, which means clear-minded, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. That's a, that's a discussion of, you, of, of, of individuality. God treats us as individuals, not a whole. We're not a collective. We're a community of individuals. It says, for we have many members in one body, but the members do not have the same function. So we begin, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing uh, according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Can't prophesy by yourself. Just want to point that out. Or ministry. 
Ministry's got to be done with other people. Just throwing that out there. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in uh, in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, and he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinions. First thing, a body cannot function if it does not understand the value of its very different parts. A body cannot function if it doesn't understand the value of its different parts. Could you imagine if we were just a, if your body was just a big lump of livers? Well, how about a bunch of eyeballs? I mean, other than rolling around, are you any good? Lips? Anyone just want to be a pile of lips? No, thank you. Each part of our body was carefully crafted by our creator, God, to, to fit together. You ever had a part of your body not work? You know, sometimes you get those parts you're not really paying much attention to, and you don't think that it can be attached to something else. You know, when someone hurts their back and their foot hurts, because that's the nerve that they, like, you don't understand. Why does my foot hurt? When I had my issue with my spine, I had some, I had, um, some spinal fusion a few, uh, a few years ago, way up here. There are things that I couldn't do. I had no idea would be connected. Like, are you kidding me? I can't put a sock on? Can't pick my foot up? I remember the first time I really hurt my lower back. I was sitting down. Couldn't pick up my leg. Like, what in the world is that? I can feel it. But it's not doing anything. It's because something in the chain was broken or bruised, or hurt, or simply not doing what it was designed to do. Now, isn't that funny that God refers to us as the church, as a body? The church is exactly the same. We are always stronger, healthier, and more capable when we're together. Always. The army might say, be an army of one. (laughs) There is no army of one in the church. There is no church of one. And by the way, your family doesn't constitute the gathering of the church. You, your wife, and your kids staying home watching service online does not constitute the body of believers. Because at that point, you're only doing what you want to do. If there's anyone who can talk us into being lazy, it's us. 
We are supposed to come together in common unity. And our common unity is the gospel message. That common unity has got to be taken seriously because here's the idea. For some of us, our role in the church might be preaching and teaching. That's my role today. It was not my role when I first started. My first areas of service in the church, I used to coil up the cables for the worship team. The worship team I wasn't even a part of. I would just clean the stage up and let them do whatever they wanted. I would show up to help do building projects at the church. I'd sweep the floor, clean the bathroom, do whatever needed to be done. And then God promoted that. Now, for some people, maybe it's handing out bulletins or cookies. That's a part of the body, right? Maybe it's making coffee or doing sound. That's a part of the body. How about this one? Helping out in kids' church. I'll say this just because, and I know Chrissy's out back, so she's, she didn't prompt me to do this. But one of the things as a pastor that honestly breaks my heart is how difficult it is to get people to help teach and train the next generation of believers back there. Christy almost has to beg to get people to bring Jesus to their kids. And I get it. You're with them all week. You want some time. Fine. What if we all did a little? I bet we'd do a lot. Now, if you have kids or not, you should be part of that. You're investing in the future when you're back there. But you see, this is a part of the body that doesn't work like it should. I know I might be getting a little uppity. That's okay. I'm the pastor. I checked with me. I'm allowed. It's important, folks. It's important because it's part of community. One of the things that I've learned over the years is that God does not promote ability and God does not promote skill. And that sounds counterintuitive. God does not promote ability and he does not promote skill. He promotes commitment and loyalty. That's what God promotes. He does not promote absence. (laughs) He can't work with you if you're not around. You'll never develop a teaching gift gift if you don't teach. You'll never develop a hospitality gift when you're always at home. You'll never develop a gift of counseling if you're never around people who are in trouble. You see, we have, when we develop ourselves, we've got to put ourselves in those situations. We, when, we, when we think, I'm not gifted for that, God says, I don't care if you're not gifted for it. I'll gift you for it. If I call you into it, you don't need to be gifted for it. I will gift you for it. This is what God does. He does it to the people who show up. And what I've seen in the world, all over the world, is Christians surprisingly not showing up. We want someone else to do it. It breaks my heart. I can't imagine how much it breaks God's. One thing for sure, God can't use us. He cannot grow us. And he cannot lead us into his plan if we're not around. That's community. We got to be there. There's a view that people have when I talk about this sometimes that if God wants it to happen, then it'll happen. God wanted the Israelites to go into Canaan. They chose to wander. God wanted David to be a moral king. He chose adultery and murder. God wanted the Israelites to stay committed and loyal to him. They chose to follow false gods and idols. So you know what? God's will will be done. But our choice is pretty simple. Are we going to be part of it? Can I say that again? 
God's will will be done. Our choice is if we're going to be a part of it. What our world needs today is a vibrant, thriving, Christian community. And that means we've got to get involved. We've got to step out. Not, I'm not talking about being silly. I'm not talking about thumbing your nose at the government. There's more, there's more to it than that. We start here. Because if we won't do it here with like-minded people, we'll never do it out there. It's got to start here with vibrant, thriving community. That's what God wants for you. And that's what the world needs from you. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this, this truth that you don't want us simply sitting on bleachers watching other people play the game. You want us involved. You want us engaged. You want us to, to love our own differences, to value the unique person that you have made in us. And Father, as the world tries to squeeze us into a box that has been approved, studied, analyzed, and agreed upon, that you want us to be unique, called, godly, moral, biblical individuals. Father, help us to have the courage to live for you without regret. Help us to stand for you as the individual that we are in the community where you have placed us. And let us value others for the individuals that they are in the community that we get to be part of. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing and continue to do. In Jesus' name, amen.